Welcome to the Grace for This City podcast. We're helping you turn your cities upside down. Hey, I'm your host, Justin Goff. Stay tuned. We got a great show for you today. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in. This is the Grace for This City podcast, and we are helping you turn cities upside down. How are we doing that? We're giving you scriptural motivation and strategies to help you get out there and get some stuff done for King Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, we're honored and grateful to be uh, trusted by the Lord to be able to be here and delivering his thoughts to you. Hallelujah. And talking about the scripture, you know, Holy Spirit's helping us here. Holy Spirit's helping us. See, we're in the word and Holy Spirit is helping us. He's causing it to come alive. He's illuminating it for us so that we'll know exactly what to do. Listen, if you're just jumping in and tuning in, I would encourage you to go back and listen to last week's podcast. We're talking about the battle for sound doctrine. And um, you really need to catch up with us because I'm just going to jump right back into our thought today. But that's what we left off saying last week is that it seems like the enemy is trying to seduce believers to pit Holy Spirit against the Bible and to cause a separation between the two. Listen, friends, uh, they work together. Uh, The word and the spirit agree. And when he said this, we cautioned anybody that would even remotely hint that it's appropriate to set aside the word or diminish the word in any way because you think you're going to hear Holy Spirit better or to, or to think that we're only led today by direct revelation of Holy Spirit and so that the word is not as authoritative as it used to be. I'm telling you, friends, that's dangerous. That is extremely dangerous, particularly in our day, because it is a overwhelmingly spiritually saturated environment that you and I are working in. Hallelujah. I mean, things are coming into fullness, both the dark and the light. And, uh, You're going to need the Word and Holy Spirit both together to navigate these days. All right, now, we said, last week I I, I mentioned this particular minister uh, who said this. He said that uh, it is time to stop appealing to the authority and inerrancy of the Scriptures, even within the church, because America is now a post-Christian society. Of course, I don't agree with that statement at all, but I'm saying this is a growing sentiment right now. People are elevating experiences, uh, emotional experiences, uh, spiritual experiences. They're elevating them sometimes over the authorities or the authority of the scripture. And we're saying that's of caution. Now, we're continuationists, meaning we still believe that the Holy Spirit's demonstrating him, himself signs, wonders, miracles, demonstrations. We believe in spiritual operations. Uh, we believe that. Uh, there is a spiritual dimension and that people have um, been used of the Lord to operate in that dimension. But we also know and believe that there's a demonic side to that as well. And some people are having trouble distinguishing between the spirit of error and the spirit of truth, distinguishing between the spirit of God and false spirits, lying spirits. He said, test the spirit. Some people they see a being that looks like light and for whatever reason automatically assume it must be from God and just swallow everything that thing says. That's not always uh, pure. That's not always sent from heaven, friends. And people that are becoming more aware of that spiritual dimension, again, there's a 
mass group of people that are not able to distinguish between uh, what is true, what is pure, what is right, what is holy, what is heavenly, and what is not. And so this is what we're talking about today, the battle for sound doctrine. Now, I'm focusing on one um, aspect of this conversation, and that's sticking to the word. Yeah, and so I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing spiritual things or the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Um, I've done dozens of teachings on the born-again believer and the voice of the conscience, which is the renewed spirit of man. Uh, so, I, I mean, we're not, we're not diminishing that in any way. That's just not the point of these podcasts right now. We're balancing ourselves, okay? Listen, you can take a truth of Scripture and drive it out into uh, extreme. You can drive it into over-exaggeration, and that truth become error. So what, what we're doing is we're taking a whole council. Remember, Paul came to them in Acts 20, and he said, I did not refrain from delivering you the whole council. So we're, we're balancing this with lots of other scriptures, lots of other reminders to make sure that we're not getting off into excesses. Listen, spiritual experiences are vivid. I mean, it's, it, you know, is it, it's, it, it's like 3D, it's like 4D, okay? It's, it is so vivid. It is so mesmerizing. It is so fantastical. Um, that 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 we we need an anchor to make sure that we're not getting seduced by things that we hear, see, or experience, voices, impressions, unctions, uh, things that we think are, are so true, things that we we would would swear by, say, or bet the farm on, or you know that that meant that I just know it's the truth. Well, how do you know it's the truth? You feel it. You saw something. You heard something. You experience something that doesn't necessarily mean that it portrayed the truth. And so we have the scriptures uh, to be a judge, a critical eye, a decipher, a discerner. Uh, these are tools. This is a tool to help us here. And so, again, I'm, I'm just camping out on one side of this just to bring some balance, to remind ourselves about the importance of the word. And I said this last week that if you are having spiritual encounters even more reason to double down, triple down, make sure that you're having a heavy dose intake of the word. You, you will not be able to go out there and navigate spiritual experiences and discern properly and divide properly without the word as a consistent, integrous anchor, a, a commitment that you make as an anchor to help you navigate that spiritual realm. I'm telling you, the devil will take advantage of you if you diminish the word in any way, friends. So don't be taken advantage of. We read this, that the time will come where people will heap up to themselves. Teachers, he said, the Bible says they will not endure sound doctrine. What it's saying when it says they won't endure sound doctrine is they won't endure the Bible. Anybody who is diminishing the Bible uh, would be, uh, that would be a red, a red flag. Now you can get into the Bible and you can read it and not even care. Uh, you can get into the Bible and not engage Holy Spirit and not have anything revealed to you. Okay, we're, we're not pitting these two against each other. We're saying they work together, but <clears throat> we're hanging out on the side here of making sure that the Word is an integral part of our Christian discipline, staying in the Word, memorizing the Scriptures, meditating on them. Remember, David said he would hide the Word in, in his heart so he wouldn't sin against God. All right, that's what, that's what we're talking about. Um, let's see here. Let's get back here. Uh, this one minister said that he trusted in the voice of the Spirit more than the Bible. Again, 
we're not pitting these two against one another. We're saying that the the Word of God, the the Logos and the Holy Spirit work together. Holy Spirit takes the Logos and will cause it to become Rama to you. Uh, it'll fit any particular current situation you're facing. But if you don't have the Word in you, you're not giving the Holy Spirit much to work with. You got to keep that Word in you. You got to abide with the Word. You got to stay in that Word. You got to uh, you know enjoy the Word. Hallelujah. If it's a chore to you to get into the Bible, uh, well, that's problematic. Um, you know, that's a telltale sign that there's some some spiritual trouble for you. You need to get some things right and adjusted uh, in your perspective and in your heart. But these people that are saying that they trust in the Spirit more than they trust in the Bible, l- listen, that phrase is just setting you up for unnecessary trouble, friend. Uh, it's going to set you up to be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't say things like that. And again, the, the danger then is that while these men or women or whoever they are, these ministers, they may be saying uh, that what they're hearing is Holy Spirit. People blame all kinds of stuff on Holy Spirit. Okay. He gets blamed for all kinds of stuff, but people are saying they're listening to Holy Spirit, but the danger uh, for you and I or whoever would be if we're diminishing the word, then what, what are we actually hearing? We may be saying it's Holy Holy Spirit, but maybe it's our own voice or worse, the seducing spirit that we are listening to. All right. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll pick up right here. We covered some of the other stuff in the last podcast. That was a slight recap. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, in the Living Bible, this is what it says here. Excuse me, verse 3. It says, I'm frightened. Paul's writing to them. Verse 2, he just wrote to them and and he said, you know, I uh, connected you with Christ. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, part of my responsibility is to keep you chaste, pure, holy, and devoted to him. Of course, when you were born again, you received a down payment, but you haven't been ultimately fully consummated together in that union with Christ Jesus because you still have that body. You've been subjected in that body of mortality in hope. The Bible says to be present in the body is to be absent from the Lord, although spiritually we're seated together with him, we're in him there, seated with him, but you're not locationally there with him, geographically there. You're right here in this body, but he's got a plan. It's our blessed hope. He's coming back for us, friends. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you know he's coming for you. Hallelujah. And he says, we groan within this tent, waiting to kick this thing off. Then the Bible goes goes on to say to be absent from the body is to be present with him. Hallelujah. That's what we're anticipating. But there's something that we do between now and then. Paul says, look, you've, you've got to be chaste. You got to be pure, holy. You got to hang on, cling to that simple devotion, that that love, that anticipation, uh, that 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 waiting posture on Him. Hallelujah! Now in verse three, though, he says, "But I'm frightened." He said, "I'm fearing that in some way you might be led astray from your pure and simple devotion to our Lord, just as Eve. Watch this. Just as Eve was deceived by Satan in the Garden of Eden." He said, you seem so gullible. You believe whatever anyone tells you. Even if he is preaching about another Jesus uh, uh, than the one that we preach to you, or even if they're preaching a different spirit than the Holy Spirit you received or shows you a different way to be saved. He said, you swallow it all. Now, the expanded Bible is kind of like the Amplified. It's a similar type uh, Bible. I like using that. <clears throat> Here's what the expanded Bible adds. It's, it says that 
Paul considered them too patient with these false teachers, these ones that were presenting another gospel or another spirit. He said you were too willing to put up with them. Uh, One translation says they were gladly tolerant of this false gospel and false spirit being preached right there in their midst or in their church or in their fellowship. Now, the admonition, the, the caution, the warning here is that if we tolerate a false spirit or a false gospel and never address it, now I'm not saying that everybody picks on, up on it right away. There's a particular uh, uh, movement that I've been following for some time. I was actually you know, associated with several of its ministers there for a little bit of time. But I was totally unaware of the conclusions, okay, of the, um, you know, everybody starts with kind of the conclusion. In fact, even the Bible, it tells us the end things, right? God reveals. He's the alpha and the omega, the aleph and the tav. He's the beginning and the ending. And one uh, passage in Isaiah says that he's telling us those things, the, those things that are to come. He's revealing them to us. And uh, <clears throat> so the Bible has this prophetic picture of the end. And, uh, and, and then comes all the way back here to where you, where you and I are. This is one thing that Jesus does. He establishes the destination, then comes back to where you and I are and says, hey, follow me. And so the Bible gives us this revelation of what's going to happen. Now, anybody, anybody, everybody, I do, you do, anybody, any minister, anybody, 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 we operate from that conclusion right? We're looking at the destination and then we say, all right, Lord, how do we help our people get from here to there? So everybody's messages, while they may not ultimately deal with the destination in every message, all of our messages are filled with encouragement, how to, um, motivation, etc., on the direction we should be going in order to wind up at said destination. So while we may camp out, on particular thoughts that are helping us in the right now, at the end of the day, all of those thoughts are derived from our knowledge or understanding of where we're going. So everybody preaches with eschatology in mind. If they say they don't, well, they don't realize that they are. Everybody does. Everybody, absolutely everybody. And so there was this particular group that I was working with, and I wasn't uh, I wasn't aware of their eschatology. I wasn't aware of their ultimate conclusion and destination. Uh, they believed in a, uh, a uh, second coming of Christ Jesus. <laughs> That's orthodoxy. If anybody denies the second coming of Jesus, pretty much everybody considers that heretical. Well, this particular group does have a theology on the, of the second coming of Jesus, but yet the destination of that or the outworking of that or the fleshing out of that was drastically different, is drastically different than my own. We're dispensational premillennialists, meaning we believe in the rapture of the bride of Christ before seven-year tribulation. And then after seven years, Jesus puts his foot down the Mount of Olives. The saints are with him because we've just returned from the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then he subdues all these kingdoms on the earth and then inaugurates a 1,000-year millennial reign on the earth. That's, that's, That's our eschatology. And so all of our messages, every single one of them, even in some of the daily uh, routine type messages, you know, um, you know, things about forgiveness, you know, which isn't necessarily a message on eschatology, but it's a daily uh, 
It is doctrine for daily living. So what I'm saying is, even if we're preaching on that, ultimately we have the destination in mind. Okay, everybody, absolutely everybody, all of their messages are derived from their understanding of the destination. And uh, <clears throat> so I was fellowshipping with these guys uh, and didn't know that. But then I slowly began to become aware because as you uh, hang around more and more and more, then various groups start teaching, how do we get from here to there? Now, I don't agree with their conclusion. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not born again. It doesn't mean that they don't love Jesus. It's just that we had some drastically different doctrinal understandings. The point that I'm trying, trying to make is, is that uh, some, sometimes something that doesn't seem right to you, maybe uh, a false doctrine or even a doctrine just full of sticks, say, or ideas that are not biblical, you may not pick up on them immediately. It took me two years, almost two and a half years, to really get a grasp of what this other group believed in. Now, ultimately, uh, I just came to the conclusion, and after having many conversations with, with them, that if we were to continue to work together, it would create mass confusion uh, for everybody because our messages are in opposite direction. For, for example, we believe in the rapture of the church. They don't. We believe in a future coming anti Antichrist. They think he came in AD 70. We believe in a seven-year tribulation of judgment for the nations and, and for Jacob, the earthly Jews. They believe tribulation happened in AD 70 when uh, uh, Rome came in and destroyed the temple and Jerusalem fell. And, and so can you understand the mass confusion? Uh, we believe that there is a program still as it concerns the uh, 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 Israel and Jacob, like Romans 9, 10, 11, for example. I mean, all of the Old Testament is prophetic uh, passages dealing with what Christ is going to do in restoring Israel. Uh, but these guys are replacement theologians. They don't believe that any of the prophetic passages uh, that say Israel have anything to do with Israel. They think it means the church. So you can see mass confusion. If we were standing on the same stage and trying to teach messages, I'd be saying this and they'd be saying the complete opposite. So the, the, the point that I'm saying is in the short run, uh, we couldn't tell the difference. You know, we're talking about prayer. We're talking about the authority of the believer. There was a lot of con uh, uh, concepts and messages that deal with daily living and didn't really know where they were going. They didn't really know where I, where I was going. Again, this is what Paul's saying. Like, if you never address something that is contrary to the gospel that you have, uh, he's saying then he's, he's cautioning that your entertaining of these ideas and these concepts uh, may lead you into deception. Just like Eve, if you don't uh, resist the, um, the temptation to do something that you're, you know you're not supposed to do, uh, then at some point, entertaining those, those ideas, you might partake of it. And, but what I'm saying is a lot of people, they may not pick up on something right away. So let's not condemn ourselves. Don't condemn your, your, yourself. But, it, but if we're doing our due diligence and being a student of the scriptures, you know, just because we hear something doesn't mean we should believe it. Now, it doesn't mean we just outright reject it. But to be a good student of the scripture means that you may hear something, but you're going to take it back to the scripture and you're going to see if it is true. Again, Paul's cautioning them. 
He said, "Listen, there, you don't don't be don't get too comfortable entertaining something that's not right, not true, not biblical, something that can't be supported or substantiated or vetted scripturally." He and he was watching these people and saying, "Man, you you've you're 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 too comfortable. You're too familiar with some of this stuff." And he's saying, "Man, that's dangerous. It's going to set you up possibly for deception." So again, if you never address it, that's a problem. But you may not know it right off. So again, this is why we stay in the word. The word's going to help you to discern between the spirit of error and the spirit of truth. The more you know the word, the more you're going to be able to pick out those things, those twistings that aren't appropriate. Uh, some sometime pat, uh, sometime back, there was a traveling evangelist that claimed to have received more revelation from his angel than from the Bible. Now, this is common. He even posted on his website, in his own own words, this is on, on his website, he said, quote, I have had more experiences in the spirit, spirit realm is what he's referring to, that cannot be explained in the Bible. He said, I have had experiences in the spirit, the spirit realm, that cannot be explained in the Bible. Now, I actually believe him. But see, friends, do you consider that a problem? What if somebody says, hey, I come in the name of Jesus, and let me tell you about all this stuff that I've learned while I've been gallivanting out here in the spirit realm. By the way, I believe you can move in the realm of the spirit. That's not what I'm denying is truth here. In fact, I believe this guy's true. That's the point that I'm talking about here is he's probably had all kinds of spiritual experiences. But if somebody comes to you in the name of Jesus and says, hey, I'm a minister of Jesus, let me tell you about these experiences let me tell you about these things that I've been seeing and hearing while I'm in the spirit realm. Uh, the question is, okay, hey, let me hear what you got. But can it be substantiated with the scriptures? Somebody says, hey, Jesus sent me. Let me tell you this fantastical stuff. But you can't find it in the Bible anywhere. What are you going to do? Listen, friends, this is the test of our day for you and I because you're going to see this more and more and more. Like state, Statements like this are just become, uh, just going to become more and more common in the sense of people are going to be elevating experiences. Listen, experiences sell. Basic Bible study, most people deem boring. Okay, They want something that's fantastical. They want something that's spectacular. They want something that's over the top. They want something new, new, fresh, exciting, hype. Basic Bible studies for most people seem to have been put in the category of boring. Bring me a guy that travels around the universes, uh, you know, uh, you know, having all this encounter with this and that and stars and vibrations and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, it, I'm, what I'm saying is people are after that. That stuff sells. That, that's what people want to hear about. That's what, people don't want to hear just a basic, basic Bible study. Now, again, I'm saying that I believe that experiences in the spirit realm are possible and that they are real but because that realm is also so full of demonic beings we have to have something that we would use to judge these experiences to be able to tell if they encountered something heavenly pure or they encountered something dark and devilish so if you, like this guy here who's going around saying that hey my experiences cannot be substantiated with the bible what Bible-believing church would be inviting this joker in? Now, not long after this particular uh, evangelist proclamation, 
he had some serious indiscretions. He left his wife, left his children, married his secretary. Now, he's still in the ministry today, and his ministry is based upon these experiences. Now, just uh, let's see, what is today? Today is uh, a Thursday, and uh, I'm, I'm actually pre-recording this, so I'm not going to say the date, but from at the date of this recording, just one week ago, from the date of this recording, I was listening to a minister by the name of Rick Renner, and he had a guest on there. His name was Joseph Z. And he just recently wrote a book on angels called Servants of Fire. Now, I really like Rick Renner because he is a... Um, he is an exceptional Greek scholar. He reads and writes in Greek, and he's quite the historian as well. And uh, so I really like, I mean, solid, solid Bible teaching. And uh, anyways, during the broadcast, him and his guest, Joseph, they, they were emphatically cautioning the viewers um, and warning them uh, concerning this, this, this thought on angels. Now, before I tell you what they were cautioning, uh, both Joseph Z and Rick Renner, they've written ma- materials that, that, that go through the Bible and talk about all the amazing things that angels do. Angels are amazing. I mean, in Hebrews, it tells us that uh, they are ministering spirits that have been given to or assigned to the heirs of salvation. Uh, you and I, we have at least one angel, I mean, at least one, um, that has been assigned to us you know, you may know it maybe as a guardian angel. Um, and I've had some experiences uh, with uh, angels, with my angel, both publicly and privately. Uh, I totally believe in angels. Um, my angel has helped me on several occasions. And that was one thing that Rick and Joseph were talking about. They were talking about, you know, angels have brought food to people. They've delivered people. They've shielded people. They've protected people. They've delivered messages. They're called messengers. They've delivered messages. They have... Uh, uh, delivered decrees. I mean, angels are absolutely amazing. I mean, they're strong, they're powerful, some are huge. Uh, I, I mean, wow. I mean, what God has created for us is absolutely amazing. And the Bible is full of knowledge and revelation knowledge about the ministry of angels or the working of angels. Uh, they were talking about, you know, how do we work together with our angels more and better? I mean, it was a fascinating 30-minute broadcast. You can look it up on YouTube. But here's what they emphatically cautioned the viewers with. That of all the amazing, vital, extremely important things that angels do, nowhere in the Bible have angels been assigned the ministry of teaching and preaching. Now, that meant that uh, ministry, say, that assignment has been given to human messengers in particularly the fivefold messengers Ephesians chapter 4 apostles prophet pastors teachers and evangelists in particularly teaching and preaching has been given to them to do and there's something about the angels as it regards that that we need to know here that um uh let's see let me find the verse in my notes here that according to 1 Peter 1:12 the angels are listening in. They're watching to see what ministers of God will say because there's things that they don't know about because that ministry has been given to these human messengers, not to the angels. You know, the angels don't know everything. And so they're listening in. First Peter 1.12 says that they're gathering 
uh, and listening in because there are things that they desire to know. There's things they're inquiring about. And Jesus himself has given the ministry of the teaching and preaching of the gospel to human ministers. Listen, again, not to angels. Okay, now one thing uh, Rick was talking about is he brought up where Paul was warning in Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 about a preoccupation or and or a worship of angels, cautioned against that. Do not worship angels. You don't worship them. You don't fall down and worship them. You don't worship them in any way. They are servants given to the heirs of salvation. Okay, we don't make gods or idols uh, out of angels. And then in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, Paul warned against so-called angelic re- revealed teaching and preaching as being one of the primary sources of false doctrine in the early church. He said during the first century, much of the false teaching Paul combated was due to so-called revelations that purportedly came directly from angels. For instance, the doctrinal problems that were emerging in Colossae and other churches in the Lycus Valley, uh, you can there were several churches associated in that uh, part of the uh, world, could be traced to claims that angels had appeared with new teachings and new revelations. Listen, it is no surprise then that many cults, many cults in existence today were also formed on the basis of alleged angelic revelations and teachings. Uh, I have a friend that was uh, a Jordanian, uh, uh, born in Jordan, uh, raised Muslim. Well, he had a dramatic encounter with Jesus Christ, and now he's born again. Well, he was telling me one day, he said that um, the Quran was inspired by a uh, multi-year encounter with a, quote, angel. And uh, um, 70 years it took to write the Quran uh, because of these encounters with an, quote, 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 angelic being. So the Quran was inspired, come on, by a false spirit. There are other uh, religions, uh, ones that you know of, that have similar stories that are still in existence in the world today. Massive. We're not talking about like just one-offs. There's one I'm thinking of now. It's global. And uh, their leader had an encounter with an angel. And out of that encounter, he wrote a book called the Book of Mormon. And, and, And that entire book was inspired by regular encounters with a quote-unquote angel that had revelation knowledge about Jesus Christ. And uh, listen, friends, these are dangerous, and we're warned about We're warned about it. All right, now, uh, Rick Renner went on to say, he said, listen, angels are not redeemed. They don't, they don't have a personal experience with the indwelling Holy Spirit as believers do. Again, Therefore, although their role is so significant and vital, their role does not include preaching and teaching. So he cautioned people. Listen, if you're having just regular casual encounters with angels and they're teaching you things, they're giving you revelations. Listen, you need to test the spirits, friend. You need to test the spirits. The Bible tells you several ways you can do that. One of the ways is in 1 John, he tells us that, test these spirits. Test these spirits. Listen, if you're having any spiritual encounter, you need to test it every time. Demons can shapeshift. They can look like whatever they want. They can 
come one day and look like a monkey, the next day they can turn into an angel of light. They can appear in such a way that it's so mesmerizing, fascinating, it's alluring. You'll be drawn to them. You know, uh, I've read after several people, um, uh, this lady uh, affectionately known as Mama Jenkins, uh, but she had encountered Satan one time. And she said when he appeared to her, it, it was almost like she was just, uh, the temptation to just fall in love with him. He was so handsome looking. He had such this drawl. Uh, he had just this 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 magnetic draw almost, and she said it was everything she could do to resist that encounter. She got out of it, and I don't remember now. Uh, a word came up. The Holy Spirit brought some word up or something. It is written. I'm not exactly for sure. You can go find her testimony there. But after she uh, escaped that encounter, she pleaded with the Lord to never let that happen again. There's a man by the name of Walter Butler. He's a German guy. If you ever listen to his story, he encountered Satan once. And the same thing happened to him. It was like this magnetic draw, almost like he's, just, he's so deceptive. Listen, people that uh, you know think that in the flesh that we are any match for him. Listen, you're self-deceived. In the flesh, we're no match for him. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, that was Walter Butler's story. I mean, he said he just about gave in to Satan, and he said the Holy Spirit brought this little song. He said he felt it originate down, down his spirit, come up. He said it felt as if it was just coming up his throat, this this Holy Ghost song, and it was coming up his throat, and then it, it reached his mouth, and he felt it come out to the tip of his lips, and he said it was all he could do to just begin to whisper this phrase that Holy Spirit gave him. And it's a fascinating testimony about his encounter there. But again, he said he was no match. If it wasn't for Holy Spirit rescuing him, he would have been no match for the temptation, uh, for the draw that Satan had. Now listen, you and I don't encounter him every day, but demon spirits function in a similar uh, temptation. They have a similar uh, uh, lure to them, especially if you are privy to that spiritual dimension. It's outside of this natural one. And I'm telling you, in that realm, so many people are getting deceived. Listen, some people don't even experience the reality of that spiritual realm. They're just hearing things, these thoughts, uh, you know, uh, the enemy puffing, puffing us up, using, uh, you know, usurping areas of pride or just lying to us, speaking to us, slowly, slowly influencing us, trying to draw us away. Some people are just hearing voices and are making stupid decisions, let alone actually experiencing spiritual dimension. I'm saying without the word, friends, without that word uh, rooted in you, without knowing him, the truth, without knowing the truth and abiding in that truth and having that word abide in you and having a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, uh, who, who, who would be a match for these deceptions? We treat it so lightly. We treat it so flippantly, friends. And it just seems like just countless people are falling prey. To I mean, look at what's going on in our society today. I mean, there are things that are just like flat out in the scriptures that the scriptures stand, stand against and people are just glazing over them. It's like, whoa, what is going on here? The eyes of their understanding have, have not been enlightened. Rather, it's been blinded. Their conscience has been seared. Listen, you and I have to stay close to the word, friend. We need to stay close to the word. Uh, let's close with this. Acts 17.11. Acts 17.11. If you've got your Bibles, let's turn there. It says this, Then the brethren 
immediately, excuse me, verse 10, back up to verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these Jews were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Now this is very interesting here because here's this particular group of people that the Bible mentions here called the Bereans and uh, various translations as a couple of words, but they were praised for their character and fair-mindedness. One translation's uh, praise them for their character. But here's the main thing that the Holy Spirit wanted us to know about these folks is that they were open to uh, what was being presented. But rather than just swallowing it without checking it, they diligently searched and examined, one translation says daily, the scriptures to see if what Paul and Silas said was in fact true. Now, the position of the Bereans tells us something. And here's what it tells us. Everything can be confirmed with the written word. Listen, you need to believe that, friends. Why wouldn't you believe that? Listen, you are no match for the devil's deception if you are leaving the rock. Come on, this solid foundation of the word. If you don't have the word in you, you're no match. Even Jesus himself, when Satan came to tempt him, what did he say? It is written. And listen, one of the things that Satan offered to Jesus was that if Jesus would just bow down, he would give him all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, it is written. Well, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. Jesus used the word to combat the devil. Now, what's very interesting is people right now uh, are thinking that the kingdom is for right now. You know, Jesus would have skipped a dispensation if he would have taken Satan upon his word. So that's what this Satan was trying to do. He was trying to get him to skip an entire dispensation. If that would have happened, friends, uh, you and I wouldn't have been born again. The gospel to the Gentiles would have not have been revealed. And see, that gospel to the Gentiles, you know, he has a program with Israel, but the gospel to the Gentiles, where the Gentiles were invited to be engrafted, the Bible says that that was a mystery hidden in Christ from the foundations of the world. If he had taken up... Uh, Satan on his temptation and bowed down and took the kingdoms right then, Jesus would have skipped a dispensation and you and I would have been lost forever. But how did he combat that? It is written. It is written. He knew what was written. He knew the plan. He knew the word of God. He knew what was going to be revealed. He knew what was going to be recorded so you and I could get born again. And Jesus also knew when he would take possession of the earthly kingdoms. And it wasn't right then, friends. Now, listen, some people are preaching the kingdom now, and it's the same temptation. They just don't know what's written. And they're promoting something that's not for now. Oh, listen, friends, it's important that we know the word. Very important. Now, with these Bereans, at the time of this recording, just last week, uh, I have a pastor friend who pastors a church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the name of his church is Berean church. Well, him and I were talking and he said, Justin, he said he wrestled with the Lord over a period of time because he wanted to change the name of his church. Again, his, the name of his church is Berean church. And I, I said, well, why did you want to change the name of your church? And this is what he said, because so few people know what a Berean is. Everybody was asking him 
What's the meaning of your church? And so he was having to explain to them, Acts chapter chapter 17, about these people called the Bereans who diligently searched the word to see if what they were hearing was actually the truth. And so he got tired of explaining it all, all the time. And he said, I'm going to change the name of the church. Well, he didn't because the Lord dealt with him and told him to leave the name of the church. And, and, and I said, Pastor, listen, I said, man, the irony of this is that so few people know the word that they don't even know that there was a group of people called the Bereans in the book of Acts. Now, listen, if you're not familiar, if maybe that was the first time that you ever heard of that, listen, I'm not trying to put you down. Obviously, we're not trying to condemn you. But listen, you need to listen to what's being said here. That should be your sign right there. That should be some motivation for you to get into the Bible and find out what does the Bible say? You are no match to navigate in a spiritually saturated world if you don't have the rock of the word in your heart. You got to give the Holy Spirit something to work with, friends. Hallelujah. Because the word and the spirit agree. They're not fighting against each other. They're not working against one another. These two things work together in a harmonious sequence. Now listen, false teachers, false apostles, false prophets, etc., whatever, they gain advantage in people's lives and in churches even because they also know that most people don't or won't be able to disprove their extra biblical revelations and insights. Listen, a predator studies his prey and they go after the weak ones. They go after the ones that are straying off by themselves, that are skirting the edges with no protection or accountability. Listen, the enemy preys after those that won't know enough to defend themselves. Listen, don't let that be you, friends. Don't let that be you. Hey, listen, we're out of time. We'll have to pick up on this next time. But thank you for joining us. And listen, if we can pray for you, it would be our honor to do so. We take it very seriously, people who send in prayer requests to us. That's that's one way that we're able to partner with you. So if you have a prayer request, you can... Email it, hello at gracecitychurch.tv. That's hello at gracecitychurch.tv. Or call us, if you'd like to talk with somebody, you can call us 870-741-9099. Leave a message, somebody will get right back with you. Listen, friends, we're so honored that you participated with us today. So glad we could have this conversation. And listen, until next time, this has been the Grace for This City podcast. And until next time, be blessed, my friends.